The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A woman has a terrifying experience that we can all relate to. Is it possible that you can create superfood by sucking on a seed... And then, for the first time in human history, the dead speak. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Let's go ahead and say thank you to our newest Patreon supporter, Michael Hunt. Michael, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate you supporting the Patreon. It means a lot. You're going to be piloting us around this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, that's fine, too. I totally understand. Just help get the word out about the show. That really helps a lot. We have now reached back our numbers where we were pre-lockdown. When the quarantine happened, we took a dive in listenership. So I'm very, very happy with the people who stuck around, and now we're back to where we were. I think people are just trying to get, like, mentally there. And people who commuted to work, who listened to the show, or were at school listening to the show. But it seems like we've gotten everyone back. That's awesome. And, and some. So thank you so much for you guys who are sticking with the show. Again, you don't have to listen to it every day. You don't even have to listen to every episode, honestly. If you just listen to an episode every once in a while, that's totally awesome. I would listen to every episode. I think this show is pretty awesome. But if you, you know, people tell me, oh, I didn't listen to last episode. No, I don't care. Listen to the next one or the one after that. It don't matter to me. Anyways, Michael, we're going to give you the keys to the carpenter copter. We are headed off to Cat. This is a disgusting name of a place. Cagged with. What does that even mean? Cagged with. It's in the Shire of Cornwall in England. So we're flying our carpenter copter over this little town. Everything, everything's just muddy and gross, and all the people are dismal and depressed. And they're like, oh, I wish I lived in a cooler town. Wish that I lived in like <laughs> any, any town. I wish I lived in Stinkville. I heard that place smells so much better than Cadgwith. Anyways, there's a little cottage here. This is from the year 1988. We don't have a lot of details from this. It's from that thinkaboutitdocs.com website, which I absolutely love. I'm going to spend the weekend really pouring over it. This is referenced in a magazine, and we've talked about this magazine before, and I've never been able to find out exactly what it is. It's in the name's hilarious, though. The magazine is called Pancake Perspectives. Now, they've shown up twice, so I guess it's like a paranormal, but I don't know why you would talk about pan why you would have i mean i guess dead rabbit radio is not that doesn't make you think we're talking about ghosts and conspiracies but i'm not a food it's not you know it's not like flambe podcast you'd be like what you would you expect pancakes if it's called pancake perspective maybe it was a magazine about pancakes never so often they just told a ghost story i don't know but anyways let's land the carpenter copter we're gonna put on our little booties so we don't actually touch the disgusting ground of cadgwith we're gonna take a look at the story there's a young woman she's spending the night at a local college out of towner she's a toonie she's just hanging out and cagged with i would assume lost on her way to a cooler named city but anyways she's in this cottage late at night she gets up it's windy (sighs) rainy and um just generally inhospitable aka the weather in england all the time she's like why does this wake me up it's always like this 
She's walking around this cottage late at night. She looks down a long hallway. So you know this story's going to be good, right? She looks down a long hallway. Which, first off, I have a question. How long can a hallway be in a cottage, right? Whenever I think of a cottage, I think of like a Thomas Kincaid picture. It doesn't even look like there would be a hallway. It looks like it's just, you walk through the door, it's just one big room. And then there's like an eight-foot-tall wizard sitting by the fire, and that's a cottage. I don't imagine, Gandalf wasn't really eight feet tall, right? That's just something I made up. The hobbits were small. The hobbits weren't normal size, and he was the giant. He was a normal-sized human, I believe. Maybe it was Hat that made him look so big. But anyways, that has nothing to do with anything that we're talking about. I imagine cottages are just kind of one room. I've never been in a cottage. I've never been in a cottage. I've been in a mansion once. <laughs> okay, never mind. I'm not going to go on segue of the different domiciles I've been in. Yeah, you like that word? So anyways, this cottage apparently has a hallway. They might all have hallways. <laughs> That's the most mad. You're like, Jason, get to the part with the monster. You're stuck on the part of a hallway in a cottage. You do, you do episodes about people who turn into monsters all the time. Anyways, anyways, there's a hallway in this cottage. And this young woman, she looks down the hallway and she sees something. She doesn't register at first. So she does a double look. Uh, there appears to be, it's really hard for her to kind of make out what it is, but there appears to be a man in a black robe at the end of the hallway. That's spooky. Spooky for multiple reasons. And the reason why I like this story, we can really break into it. But she looks down the hallway. Man in a cloak, a hood on. She's like, the Nazgul. He's hanging out at the at the back end of Frodo's cottage. Then her mind clicks in and realizes, whoa, that's not just a figment of my imagination. There is actually someone down there. And at that point, the phantom, the figure, raises its arms up so it's almost like, you know, like, you know, you know what, you know what, you, you know what raising your arms up are, even if you don't have arms, you know what it is. But it's like, it's like he's like his arms are going up. So they're, you know, how you can do them in front like a mummy. He's not doing that. He's doing side to side. I don't know how else to describe that. I'm holding my arms up now as if you can see me side to side. Which, again, how big is this hallway? Again, I don't want to get too much into the hallways. Now, not only do we have a long hallway, it's apparently wide enough that... It, I don't think I've ever been in a hallway that that's big. You're like, Jason, you're not a giant. I, you're like, Jason, I know for a fact you've been in hallways that you can stretch out arm to arm. I don't think I have. I mean, I guess like hallways of like office buildings and stuff, but I wouldn't really consider those hallways, right? I'm not just like knocking over cubicles. But like a house hallway, I don't even, I don't think I've ever been in a hallway that's big enough to fit two people going down the hallway at the same time. You're like, Jason, that's 100% not true. I, I, I'm basically arguing from what I said. Michael's just like taking off in the carpenter copter. He's like, I'm out of here. This guy's nuts. You're like, wait for me, wait for me. No, you get stuck here too. I don't think I've ever been in a hallway that wide before. But anyways, I might have, I might have. But the point is, is that. There's a hallway in a cottage, and it's big enough that a man, a grown man, can put his hands out like he's flying. Which is interesting, because that's what he starts to do when his arms go up and they're uh, horizontal, side to side. You know, like one... <laughs> okay, you guys know what it is. I assume you guys are smart enough, you have enough of a visual dictionary in your head that you know what I'm doing. He's holding his arms out like a cross, okay? He's holding his arms out like a cross, and then he hovers a bit off the ground. And now she's terrified from the beginning. But again, your brain's trying to make sense of this stuff. And then he flies super fast. Like like a uh, jump scare. He's flying down the hallway at her. And she runs and she jumps in bed. And she throws the blankets over her. 
And then she says she hears, like, rustling. Rustling noises. They're like, giddy up, giddy up, cows. And not cattle rustling. Not cattle rustling. Like, stuff. He has maracas. He comes down the hallway. He has one of those Andes rain instrument. That's where the rainstorm was. He was just practicing his instrument. Anyways, this is a Friday episode, if you can't tell. Point is, she hears him rustling above her sheets. She's hiding underneath the blankets. It goes away. It goes away. So, interesting story. And it's spooky, right? Like, all of us have looked down a hallway, cottage or not. All of us have looked down a hallway, and they're spooky. Hallways, in and of themselves, are spooky, right? And then, I'm reading the story, and I thought... It's weird that she jumps under the covers. There's a natural inclination to jump under the covers, right? I, I'm i not that guy. I don't jump under the covers. But I also, because, I mean, if I see something late at night, I don't, like, run away from it. I'm not super buff, tough dude punching ghosts in the face. But I'm not, I can't actually, you know, that's funny. I can't, the, all the experiences I've had where... I've seen stuff or felt stuff before I was going to bed or heard stuff before I was going to bed. I just kind of go about my normal business. I think it's interesting that people have, we have a tendency to throw blankets overhead. I've never done it. But I was started to look into that. Why do people, when they're scared, tend to cover themselves up with blankets? And there was the answer that that's what kids do because kids basically say, if I can't see you, you can't see me. I think like maybe a baby would do that. But by the time, well, they don't have the muscle to like pull a blanket up. They're weak. But like once you're like eight or nine, or whatever, you can know, you know that's not true. Like, every time you blink, you don't think the universe disappears. So, other people said, and I think this kind of works well, that being under a blanket, I don't know how true this is, but it just made more sense than the, I can't see you, you can't see me. Being under a blanket, you replicate the mom's womb, which, I mean, your mom has had a pretty wooly womb. Your mom's womb was made of microfiber. But because you're like encapsulated, encapsulated, there you go, Misty, encapsulated in something, you feel like you're in your mom's womb. And then I thought a tunnel is like the vaginal canal. So maybe that's why holes are so spooky. Because really, I guess that's what I'm, that was a long way to get to this. Holes are spooky, right? I'm not saying vaginal canals are necessarily spooky. I guess it depends on what end you're in. If you're in them, they suck because you're, this is your first time, right? Like, I'm talking about being a baby. I'm not talking about sex. I'm talking about, like, if you're in a, the, the womb, right, and you're just chilling for nine months, that's all the reality you know. And you hear voices. You don't see nothing, right? You hear voices off in the ether. Every so often you get a tasty Twinkie to eat on. And then that's a reality to you. That's not, that's the only thing you know. And the next thing you know, you're, oh, you're getting like squeezed through something that you definitely can't stick your arms out both sides and fly through. Like you're getting squirted out like mustard coming out of a tube. And then you land into really bright, loud, colorful reality. And it's like a shock. What? I didn't know any of this stuff existed. I've always thought that's what death is like. That you have no, com- we don't really come, a baby's probably like, oh, I'm sure there's something out there. Like, I hear something, like, there's something out there, like, I, but I don't know what it is. I'm hearing these voices and stuff like this. Or I'm hearing, I did, they don't, the baby doesn't speak any language. But the baby's not a dummy. <laughs> Jason, babies are detected, the, the definition of a dummy. But babies floating around, oh, I can hear stuff and stuff like that. 
but then the second that they pop out, it's a, it's a, they don't know what the color white is, or they don't know what's like really like what sound it. Well, they know what sound is, but they don't know like the beep, beep, beep of like the doctor machine or like hands. They've never like been held before. All this stuff is new stuff. I think that's what death is like. Like this is the only reality we can even come close to comprehending. Anyone who tells you otherwise is trying to sell you a book or get you to join their cult. And then you pop out of this one. Boop, and then you're in a you're like, whoa, I didn't think any of this stuff could have ever been possible. I had a little baby brain. Even though I was 90 years old and I experienced all this stuff, I had no idea. Just like a baby who's one month old in the womb, little tiny peanut dude, versus a baby that's gonna come out in 30 seconds, they have still have no knowledge of what's on the other side at all. That's a long way of saying that maybe being under your blankets is like being in a womb. Hallways are spooky. Because it's, it reminds us of popping in and out of the vaginal... Well, not in and out. You only come one way. Out of the vaginal canal. I personally think the reason why we hide under blankets, it's a monkey behavior. Yeah, it's animal behavior. You're hiding from a predator. So if it's not a blanket, we'd be like scurrowing into a burrow or hiding under a bunch of leaves or something like that. Painting ourselves with bark. All sorts of stuff, right? So, so did this story happen? Was she really pursued by a ghost down a hallway? Maybe. Right? We've discovered weirder stuff. I just think it's interesting that it had the motif of spooky hallways is something we can all relate to. I think everyone who's ever spent any time anywhere around a hallway, especially when they were young, they find them creepy. And now at night, you're walking through your house and it's dark and there's a hallway. It's creepier than just a dark living room, I would say, right? Unless you have a giant hallway that you can put your arms out, and then maybe there's enough space in case something was coming after you, you could get away. Let's go ahead and move on to our next story. We are going to go ahead. That w- that story I just told you was literally one paragraph long. I don't know how it blew up to be whatever 20-minute long story it is, but let's go ahead. Michael, fire up that car. Let's call Michael back in. Hey, Mike, we're done. We're done. He's like, are you done being crazy? Yeah, yeah, we're done. Bring back down the carpenter copter. We are headed off for a little tour, actually. This story kind of takes us a couple different places. And this was actually a suggestion from another Patreon supporter, Lori. Lori Snyder, thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you so much for leading me on to this story. Now, this story actually cost me $4.95. I had to buy a copy of Fate Magazine, so you guys better appreciate this story. cost me more money than the past 20 episodes put together. I never spend any money on these shows. I had to pay $4.95 for this. There's a section in Fate Magazine. Fate Magazines is pretty good. They've had eras where it's been kind of tabloidish. I don't know where they're at right now. I, I've only read this first part of this issue. Lori was like, oh, you got to do a story on this. They have a section called I Seen It in the Papers. I don't know what that's a reference to. I don't know if it's all like little news clippings. It's bizarre. We're going to talk about some of these stories that are just... It's like little news nuggets from Fate Magazine. Fate Magazine is like a paranormal magazine like 14 times. They've been around since like the 50s or the 60s. Old school. This is the newest issue, though. There's a cult in Russia called the Ringing Cedars Anastasianism. Anastasianism. So, Michael, take us down to this cult compound. It basically looks like that movie Midsummer that I didn't bother watching because I didn't like... Uh, what was that other movie they did about the person with the head chopped off? Hereditary. I didn't... Uh, whatever, a bunch of people dancing around, Maypole, wearing old-timey dresses. This is a cult in Russia. It's gaining a lot of membership because it's a return to a simple life. Everyone needs to have a house. Well, everyone needs to be in a family. It's very family. It's kind of nationalistic. 
but it's also a return to nature. They said every man should have a house on about a hecta-acre hecta acre of land, and that's your love place. And I did like this. That's stupid. That's dumb. But I did like this. The idea that what you put into the universe gives back to you. I, I believe that. And they have this thing that you put love into the universe, it creates a loving universe. If you put hate into the universe, it creates hate. That, that's, I think that's fairly standard. And you might, I don't necessarily know if you can affect global change, but you can definitely see changes in your own life. People are very bitter and angry. Tend to have very bitter and angry lives. You very rarely see a bitter and angry person and everything go right for them. You will see optimists, and I know them. You'll see optimists that have a lot of unluck, like that's not a word, that have a lot of bad luck. You'll see that, but they just keep on going. But a bitter man will have good luck and can never see the bright side of it. And so at the end, the bitter person has, I think, a more miserable existence. They may seem more comfortable with what they're surrounded with. Their job, their family, but their family ends up hating their guts. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like, you have to put positivity to at least get it back in your universe. So I agree with that. The rest of this stuff is dumb. They believe they you create like you. It's very... Fa- I, I, I'm a fan of the family unit as well. Doesn't Not everyone has that opportunity, but I'm a fan of it if it can work for you. But they're vegans, so I'm done with that one. And not only vegans, they're the raw vegans. So they only eat, like, corn husk and grass whispers. Like, they don't eat nothing. And all their clothes are made of natural materials. Because, yes, mine are made of quantum molecules from the fourth dimension. Everything's a natural material. I mean, unless you're wearing, unless you're a sheep and you're wearing your own wool, whatever. That's not, whatever. Point is, is that this is the reason why Lori sent me this. She's like, Jason, I want to hear your views. I want to hear your, right after you said you have to be positive, I want to hear your very critical reviews of a religion you found on Wikipedia. (laughs) Love Lori. That's not what she sent the story for. You're allowed to be negative every once in a while. Just don't let it override you. Or when you're doing it, it should be for entertainment purposes only. Lori sent me this. She goes, so there is a belief, there's a conspiracy theory. It's hard to really decide how you'd want to call it. A cuckoo theory would be a good way. That you can create superfoods by sucking on seeds. Mm, mm, This corn kernel. Don't eat it, Billy. You're supposed to plant it. Oh, yeah. Is that how you plant corn? Do you take, like, is a corn, a cob of corn, right? Are all the kernels the seeds? Like, could... What's weird about that is basically, shouldn't the whole world be corn at this point? Because if a corn cob is nothing but seeds, and each... Basically, like, let's say I had a baby. I have me and a woman, we have a baby, right? That's how that, that's how that works. That's what I've heard. I don't know. I don't have one. Maybe, maybe I've been lied to by the mainstream media. A corn... Corn grows, right? And then it has a ton of seeds. And then birds come and eat the seeds, and some of them just kind of fall out on the ground. And then the birds poop out the corn everywhere. So shouldn't there be corn? Like, if there weren't humans, would there be planet of the corn? Would there be a Statue of Liberty, but instead of holding a torch, it's a corn cob? And instead of just a statue, it's just a giant corn cob. Like... Why don't we have plants that override... Why isn't the world nothing but sunflowers and corn? Because like a zucchini... Actually, that's interesting because 
Like, stuff that grows in the ground, what happens then? Do, like, gophers eat it and poop out the seeds? I know that citrus, and I've talked about this a long time ago, citrus trees wouldn't exist if humans disappeared. They'd be gone in, like, 20 years. Because we created lemons and limes. Birds are like, that's gross. We're not pooping out those seeds. Bugs don't like them. The blood orange, like, there's an old orange that's actually a real citrus thing. But, like, lemons and limes we created, the Mongols created, it's all genetic engineering. But anyways, yeah, if corn is nothing but, like, an apple has, what, like, six seeds? Well, I guess the apple tree has, like, 20 apples, but still, like, so that's still only 120 seeds, right? But corn is nothing but seeds. What else is nothing but seeds? Watermelons, too. But again, so I'd have to be a bear, and I eat a watermelon, and then I poop out. What? You're like, Jason, why, why is it always about it? That's how it's transferred, right? It's poop. Birds. Because it's a little bit of fertilizer. So a bird eats the sunflower seed, and then flies, and then poops it out. And then it's all, like, a little fertilized, and then it just grows. Right? That's how that works. Anyways, what, what am I talking about? Oh, yeah, sucking on seeds. So, anyways, you suck on a seed. Let's get back to the story that I actually planned for. It's Friday episode. Lori sends me this story. So, I go and I buy Fate Magazine, issue 735, $4.95, by the way. This episode cost me money, so hope you enjoy it. It has that story in there. In that section, I've seen it in the papers. You suck, and this is the logic. There's no logic behind it. This is one of the dumbest things I've covered in a while. So, you know how a banana shares 50% of DNA with a human? It doesn't, by the way. That's 100% not true. That's the same thing when they say you only use 10% of your brain. It's not true. It's an old saying. It's it, People say it over and over again. It doesn't make it any more true. Banana does not share 50% of its DNA with a human. It shares like 1% or 2%. We all evolved on the same planet, but... That it means like our we have the same amino acids and stuff like that. It's not actual. They're it's not half human. It's not half human. If you rearranged it, you wouldn't be like, "Hey, mon, I'm banana mon," hanging out. I don't know why I made him Jamaican, but anyways, the point is is that it's not true. But because people are stupid, they believe that. Now there's this old idea that you that humans have deficiencies, which is true. Humans have vitamin deficiencies, and depending on which geographical region you're in, if you're in a place with tons of vitamin C, there's oranges everywhere, then you're not going to have a vitamin C deficiency, right? But if everything's super like spooky and dark, you might have a vitamin D deficiency. So anyways, what the idea is this. You take a seed, because it's half human, and you go... I mean, you don't have to make love to it. Maybe you just lick on it. Actually, there's two different ways to do it. In Europe, you stick it under your tongue. This is how dumb this is, by the way. There's no science to it. And even a, even like a shaman or a witch would be like, oh, that's pretty stupid, even for our standards. You take a seed, you stick it under our tongue. Not our tongue, we don't share one. You take a seed, you stick it under your tongue, and then you look up at the sun... And the sunbeams imprint your DNA on it. That's dumb. They imprint your DNA on it, and then you spit it out, and then you bury it. And what you've told the seed is, I'm missing vitamin K, and I could use a little more sodium in my diet. I don't have enough. So when the tomato grows, it basically will grow with extra vitamin K and a little more sodium. You'll be like, this is nice and salty tomato right out of the ground. Gross. I'm allergic to tomatoes. The end. That's the idea behind this, and that's what uh, ringing cedars do. A couple other groups do it. In the East, apparently, Eastern cultures, this is a thing, too. People have been doing stupid stuff for thousands of years. You take A little kid takes a seed, because the kid's the one who actually is going to be more vitamin deficient, and they got to grow big and strong. They suck on the seed. 
imprints it with their DNA. And then it grows and they're like, oh, just what I need. I needed this specific potato to be able to, which was dumb because one, how many seeds are you sucking on, bro? Like, I think this was probably some dude made this up because you had a seed sucking fetish. Because what happens, man? Like, what you don't grow just one potato. Isn't a potato, isn't the potato itself a seed? You're all trying to fit it in your mouth. The idea is this, like, I guess if you had just one farm for you and your family, it might work. But what if you you have more vitamin deficiencies than your kids do, and they're eating the seeds you were sucking on, and they're like super hyper and stuff like that, because all of a sudden they have all these extra vitamins. You're like, Jason, that's not how vitamins work. It's a Friday episode. The point is, is that it wouldn't work on any sort of scale whatsoever. Especially, like, again, you don't just go, oh, the harvest is in. We got one corn, one cob of corn, one tomato. You have farms. So how long are they sucking on these seats for? Your your neck would get tired just looking up at the sun all the time. So we're going to stamp this false, busted, dead rabbit radio. Bust this myth. That's a new thing I'm doing. I'll probably never do it again. But, Lori, thank you for the suggestion. The reason why I wanted to talk about this one, that was interesting because it's just kind of a stupid practice. This section of Fate Magazine, which I love about Fate Magazine. There's usually like a ton of stories in each little book. They had two other stories. This is weird. One is like a paragraph long. Extraterrestrial. We all have heard that word before, right? You're like, no, I haven't. Explain it to me. Well... Extraterrestrial is the idea of space aliens. Why am I even? I don't need to explain it to you. The point is, is that you know what an extra. I've completely lost my mind. You know what an extraterrestrial is. This little blurb in this magazine said some people, which basically just means me, the person writing it. Some people say that extraterrestrial actually means more land. Because extra means more, and terrestrial means land. You're like, okay, that's. I guess that's a fun word game, right? Like, sure. But when you say extrajudicial, you don't mean, oh, there's just going to be extra courts involved. No, it means that you're doing something outside of the court system. Like, extra doesn't simply mean more. Extra gum doesn't mean you have extra gum. It just means that's a brand of the gum. This episode's sponsored by Extra Gum. The... Idea, whatever. So that's just weird. But then underneath, so it's a paragraph long. That's the first sentence. Extraterrestrial actually means more land. And it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Then it says, this is actual quote from this article. Quote, many, there's not many people who do this, right? <laughs> but, but whatever. Quote, many theorize that this is a subliminal message. That there is more land out there that we are unaware of. Yes, so all of this time, whenever you hear people talk about extraterrestrials, they're actually, it's subliminal. We know that, what, what is, what does that even, more land where? Who's the, who, what, who are these many people who whenever they're like, they walk by an ET poster, they're like, yeah, I want to go there someday too. People are like, what is, you know pointing at the po- you want to go to the movie theater this movie hasn't been in the theater since 1983 no pointing very slowly at the word extraterrestrial i want to go there do you know how to get there what is this like a phone home joke no that goes on for like 30 minutes 
what does that even many theorize that this is a subliminal message that there is more land out there that we are unaware of what on earth i don't understand this absolutely hilarious this this uh, that was worth four ninety five. I really love the seed sucking story. That was definitely good too. But that statement alone was one hundred percent worth four dollars and ninety five cents. That many people believe that the word extraterrestrial is a secret hint to us. That some somewhere out there it could be outside your door. It could be billion light years away. There's extra land we don't know. Okay, sure. Probably, but again, extraterrestrial does not mean more land. It never has. It never has. But that's not even the best part. Lori really hit the trifecta on this one. And this was all from two pages of this magazine, okay? Two pages of this magazine. Lori straight up pulled a hat trick on this one. She got three crazy stories. Fire up that carpenter copter one last time this episode, Michael. We're headed out to... Back to Britain, actually. We're going to Leeds. The little town, Leeds. It has a museum in it. I know that much. It's The whole town is just one giant museum. All the people just stand there. Everyone's behind glass. They're very safe during this quarantine. We land. And there we meet a bunch of scientists, a bunch of nerds sitting around. And they have in front of them the mummified remains of priest Nesiamun. Nesiamun. Nesiamun was a Egyptian priest. He was a scribe. And he wrote, like, on his thing. Well, he didn't write it. He was dead. He was being mummified. But people encarved on his esophagus that his life wish was to speak after he died. Because to him, speaking, especially speaking your name, was the ultimate oneness with God. That people were still talking about you after you died. So basically, Marilyn Monroe is the equivalent of Hercules at this point. That was his goal. So these nerds are sitting there on their computers, and there's like this mummy just chilling out in their lab. And they're like, Are you ready to run the diagnostics, Timothy? And Timothy's like, Yes, I am. Uh, I forgot your name, <laughs> Mark. Yeah, I uh, uh, forgot. And so they take this mummy, and these nerds are all running these tests. Now, elsewhere, this dude is, like, pitching this business thing, right? He's like, apparently there's this huge narrative now. There's this guy. His name is Tony. And he's like, none of these names are real. By the way, as far as I know, Tony goes, listen, we are on the cusp of one of the biggest breakthroughs that mummy technology has ever known. We are going to change the world of the bandaged and decayed. There's a fat cat corporate weasel sitting with his cigar. My grandfather didn't get into this business to spend a bunch of money doing mummy stuff. So, get to it. And the guy's like, okay, we want to see that mummy right there. We want to take that mummy. And we want to give him the ability to speak. And the, and the fat cat investor, smoking a cigar. He's eating an apple. Spitting out seeds, creating new apple trees in his office. He's pooping them out. I don't know where that even came from. I gotta end this episode. <laughs> this, the, the, okay, the fat cat goes, fine, I'll give you all sorts of money and all sorts of time. I want to see what you can do. Then none of that happened, okay? None of that happened. I just think it's funny that somebody wasted a ton of time and money and effort to do what I'm about to tell you, okay? All of that. 
All of that was my bizarre way of letting you know somebody thought this was a worthwhile endeavor. They spent grants and college funds and all sorts of stuff. Money from colleges. I mean, not their scholarships. A bunch of money went into this. They, this is the end. This is the actual story, okay? Forget Tom and Timothy and Mark and the stereotypical corporate guy whose dad invests in mummies or whatever nonsense I came up with. These guys took this mummy. This part's real. This part's real. This mummy named Nessiumun. That's true. He wanted to speak after death and all that stuff. So they go, he's a perfect candidate for this technology. They put him in a CT machine. And they take a scan of his vocal cords, his throat, his mouth, all that stuff. It was all grody, obviously. He'd been dead for 3,000 years. But they were able to take all this information, and then they put it through a 3D scanner. They go home for the weekend. It takes a while. They come back. It's ready. Now, they have a 3D replica of this dude's Vocal vocal cords, right? Which, which, come on, they're de- they're decayed, but whatever. They're somehow like maybe it's just the way his bones were, or something like that. They took that, then they reconstructed his tongue because parts of it were missing and everything like that. So, eventually, long story short, they replicate his his uh, voice box. It's, you're like Jason. It's called a throat and a mouth. They they replicate that, and they go. Well, we've spent a ton of money and a ton of time and all this stuff, but we have finally done it. We have finally created the ability to hear what this guy sounded like, which in and of itself is pretty awesome. You're like, Jason, that's pretty dope, actually, that you can, like, do that. And we can find out what people had to say in the old times. And while they're doing this, actually, someone came forward and complained about it. Here is a quote. This is ridiculous. This is just adding to the ridiculous. Here's a quote. Kara Cooney, she's an Egyptologist at the University of California, Los Angeles. She says, when you're taking a human being and using so much inference, is that a word? Inference? Inference? An inference? Doesn't matter. When you're guessing what, when you're putting stuff in that you don't know. Like how to pronounce a word. Quote, when you're taking a human being and using so much inference about what they looked or sounded like it can be done with an agenda that you might not even be aware of she's for mummy rights she doesn't think that she thinks i don't know is it deceased to imitate a dead person i don't really so basically she's going well what's your agenda do you have a hidden agenda when you're trying to give this mummy a voice and the scientists are like yeah we want to hear what a mummy sounded like we want to hear what this guy sounded like three thousand years ago what would be your agenda that that quote is the equivalent of many people believe. There is a journalist writing an article and they're like, well, I do need a counteractual point. So they probably caught, allegedly, allegedly, don't sue me, anybody. I must, allegedly, the journalist calls up a friend, a close friend, and go, hey, you want to be in an article? Yeah, sure. I need a negative quote. Oh, yeah, yeah, I can do that. I, allegedly, that's what happened. It's possible that she actually does care very deeply about about the rights of a 3,000-year-old mummies being given a voice, even though that was their last wish. She, she may actually have problems with that. She may have, like, power to the powder posters, and it's just, like, a picture of ash. She's fighting for the people who have rotted away. 
Anyways, you now you have controversy. Many people are up in arms about this. You have controversy. You have money. You have time spent. You have technical brain power. You have a CT machine that was used. There was some guy who really needed it. He's like, no, I'm dying now. And they're like, no, we're too busy scanning this mummy. Go home. He's like, no. Kick him down the stairs. The point is, is that you have all this time, money, effort, and everything for this. Mm. That is that was the that that is the result. So yes, let's hear it again. Mm. That's it. That's not a Minecraft villager. That's not uh, any other number of cultural references or jokes I could make. Mm. That's the sound of a three thousand. That's all they got. So they hooked. They built this huge thing, and then they just like had a way to like make it make a vowel sound. That's. If you're going to, I was, it's so funny because I'm reading the article. I read multiple articles on this and then I had to find the sound clip. You imagine, I don't, okay, here's the thing. Maybe it was my expectations, but I was expecting Hall of Presidents from Disneyland, right? Where it'd be like, oh no, Moses, not more frogs. Like they actually would make it say something, right? No, I can, I, I, here's the thing, dude. I allegedly, allegedly, I could get a ton of grant money, take a scan, and then just go into a microphone where I can imitate that. Uh, there, I imitated that. Uh, maybe that's a little like it because I'm not hearing it right now. Uh, how much time and money went into that? And again, I I could just make the, you're like Jason. Science, science is about whether or not you can make it. You buy your like that's not science. You're like Jason. You can you can create a whirlpool. You can create like a little whirlpool in your bathtub by pulling the drain. We still need people to steady whirlpools in real life. We still need people to steady momentum, things like that. Yeah, yeah, I guess, but still. That was disappointing. And I think it was equally disappointing for you considering the amount of buildup that I gave it. Now that story makes sense. I wanted you guys to feel like I felt when I was reading all those articles. I'm like, oh, dude, is he going to be like, I've risen from the grave. Like, they could have made him say so many mummy-like things. Not, Mm. come on, that's ridiculous. Uh, Come on, science. You let me down. You let me down once again. But guys, have a great weekend. I hope you enjoyed this Friday episode. I promise there was no Benadryl or NyQuil involved in the making of this episode. I think it's just been a long week. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be your email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at DeadRabbitRadio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Be safe. Be kind. I love you guys, and I'll see you. I'll see you Monday. I'll see you Monday.